0: Matthew chapter 4, page 968. Let us pray. We've just been singing Jesus, God's righteousness revealed. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that in Jesus, your word was made flesh. We thank you that in everything that Jesus did and in everything that he said, we see who you are. Lord, would you help us this morning as we gather around your word, as we begin to consider together these central and fundamental words of Jesus. Help us to hear you to listen to you, and to obey you. Amen. I was in the dentist waiting room a few months ago, and normally when I'm there, I have a book with me. In case it takes a while, it means I I feel I can get on with, with some reading while I'm there. I did have a book with me on this particular day, but I saw a brochure lying out that caught my attention, and I thought, well, I better have a look at this. I've brought it here with me. It's called Fresh Start Life Coaching. Helping you towards a better future. And then I flicked it open to read a little bit to see what it would say about life coaching. What, what is this all about? Life coaching is a powerful process which helps to remove the obstacles that stand between you and the achievement of your full potential. As your coach, I will work with you to identify areas of your life that are causing you stress or unhappiness and to guide and empower you to make the changes that you need and want to make in your life. For me, says this particular life coach, coaching is all about helping you to achieve your full potential and to have the fulfilling, balanced, and happy life that you want and you deserve. great stuff uh, that's that's life coaching you have to go right to the back cover to hear the bad news the special introductory package 6 hours uh, 6 times 60 minute fortnightly sessions costs 150 pounds and after that the the price will rise i presume quite dramatically not a concept that that we're, well, well maybe I'm assuming too much, maybe there are people here this morning who have a life coach. I'll not ask for a show of hands, but, but it could well be that there's somebody here this morning, or, or more than one, who has a life coach and is benefiting from their service. I'm going to assume that most of us don't, that most of us don't have a life coach. But every one of us here has a person or a number of people who play a significant role in influencing us and teaching us how to live our lives. Who are yours? Who who is the person or who are the people who have had the greatest influence on your life? I'm going to stop for a moment so that you can think about that. The person or the people who have had the greatest influence on your life. hope you've had a chance to think about that. It's it's probably quite hard to, just in a split second like that, get to the bottom of a big question like that. For many of us, I would imagine our parents or some older relative would play this role. They have helped us on our way when we were young, and they've done it in such a way that their impact stays with us right into adult life. It might have been a teacher at school or a leader in some organization that we were a part of, these people, they stand out to us as people who always had time for us, people who always seemed to understand us. And there was something about them that inspired us to the extent that we, we really have been shaped by them. It might be some friend whom we've known for a long time. The longer we have known them and the more time we spend with them, the more we realize that they live life in a way that is attractive to us and appealing to us, and we find ourselves um, learning from them. So far, I've mentioned people with whom we, we spend time and people with whom we actually come in contact, but the truth of modern culture is that a lot of the influence that comes to us isn't from people who are friends or family or whom we meet from day to day a huge amount of influence is exerted on all of us, probably more than we would admit by by media figures and celebrities. Uh, Young boys want to be like David Beckham. Young girls want to emulate Britney Spears. And as we get older, those influences change, but they're still there. As we're first-time buyers, we're keen to hear what Colin and Justin have to say about how we should decorate our house and how exactly it should look. Uh, maybe some of the women as they move on through life, this is, that's awfully sexist, let me just, maybe some of us as we go through life are interested to hear what, what Delia has to say or, or Jamie or, or some of these people. There, there are so many people we look to to learn how to live. There was a while ago, I can't remember what year it was that, that this gentleman's uh, thinking exploded onto the, the stage, a guy called Stephen Covey became a, he was sort of like a management guru who wrote a book called Seven Principles for Successful Living. And a lot of sort of serious minded, I think particularly men were drawn to this stuff. Um, they They wanted to know, well, what are these seven principles for successful living? People were in their millions were wanting to be influenced by Stephen Covey. A lot of us are politically minded, so we like to read to see what the commentators have to say on the latest political developments, and not many of us nowadays are brave enough to leave the house without knowing what Trini and Susanna would warn us not to wear. Folks, our lives, from the moment we get up in the morning till we go to bed at night, are influenced by actually quite a a big variety of people. I don't want to knock that I think that's entirely normal that's what it is to be human it's to live in relationship with other people and to learn from them but I want to ask you a crucial question this morning as you took a few moments to think about who were the biggest influences in your life was Jesus Christ on your list Have you ever considered Jesus Christ in this light? Have you ever considered Jesus Christ as the greatest influence on your tangible, earthly life? Have you ever thought of Jesus as your life coach? Now, I'm not being flippant here, and I I hope you'll you'll see that as I go on. I'm not being smart. I'm asking you a serious question. Have you ever thought of Jesus Christ as the person who could teach you most about how to live? The reason I ask you that question is because I believe that's how Jesus saw himself during his time on earth. And I want to take a few moments to to show you that. Before we start to look, as we're going to do in the next few weeks, at the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 through to chapter 7, I want to take a wee bit of time today to to draw you in and show you why this stuff matters. And I want to think with you for a second about the verses we read from Matthew chapter 4. If you read the first four chapters of Matthew's gospel, you'll see a a progression there. In chapters 3 and 4, Jesus is revealed in public. His public ministry starts. All we know about him, really, as he comes onto the scene from those chapters, is that he's from a, some obscure village called Nazareth, and whenever he began to preach, people really responded. Now, we know a bit more than that because we have read Matthew's chapter one, chapters 1 and 2. We know that this Jesus, this carpenter from, uh, from this obscure village in Nazareth, is none other than Emmanuel. God with us. We were there at his baptism when a voice from heaven spoke of Jesus, saying, This is my son. The amazing claim of Matthew's gospel and of all Christians ever since is that Jesus of Nazareth, the carpenter of Galilee, is the son of God. He's God among us, he's come to bring us back to God. Now, friends, it's in Matthew chapter 4, the verses that we read a few moments ago, that we discover for the first time Jesus' desire to be a life coach. Look with me at verse 17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, and he said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, we have talked a few times recently here in church about that word, repent, We've tried to dust it off, get rid of any old-fashioned connotations, and tried to take it for what it is, and tried to understand what it means. If you remember, we decided that this word basically means turn around. It basically means change the direction of your life. I think David mentioned it as he preached here last Sunday morning, David Johnson. Change your mind, change your direction. So that's part of what Jesus seems to be saying. Look at verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting nets into a lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I'll make you fishers of men. They left their nets and they followed him. Friends, if we take these two things together, which Matthew has given us as a summary of Jesus' preaching, Jesus' message is very, very simple, but but extremely powerful. He says, turn your life around and follow me. Let me teach you the new direction in which you can live. Forget what way you've been living before. Turn around and follow me. And I will show you the right and the best way to live. Friends, that was Jesus' invitation to the disciples of his day. It still is and always will be his invitation to each one of us. I want to slow down for a second here because I the way in which I'm putting this today might sound a little unusual to you. Uh, If you've been around church for a long time, you've maybe never heard it put quite like this. Maybe you're somebody who's more accustomed to thinking of Jesus as the Savior, Jesus who came to save us from the effect of our sins, Jesus who came to save us from death, if you like, rather than anybody who has anything to say about life and how we might live. That's certainly the way it has been for me growing up in in my tradition here in Ulster Evangelicalism. In my tradition, Jesus was never talked about as a teacher. And it's recently dawned on me why that is. In the middle of the last century, evangelicals were fighting a battle with those with a a, a more liberal theology is, is the way they described it. There were people and preachers who said that well, Jesus isn't really the Son of God. Jesus' death on the cross can't really save you from your sins. He was a brilliant teacher, but but let's not take it too far. Those claims are a bit over the top. It was in response to this kind of, of liberal theology that evangelicals said, well, if that's how the liberals will define Jesus, then we we will say that Jesus is the Savior. Jesus came to save us from our sins. And the reaction was so great that we forgot that Jesus was a great, great teacher. That Jesus did come to show us how to live. That Jesus was the Word of God made flesh. Friends, the truth is that if you've listened to preaching in many evangelical churches in Ulster today, it would never dawn on you that Jesus had anything wise to say about how we live our lives. Paul, the Apostle Paul, he's the smart one in the New Testament. That's how it's presented to us. He's the academic, if you like, to Jesus rather meek and mild, you know, nice but not that smart. If there's a JC whom the church have followed and who they've taken as a moral authority, it's John Calvin. I've grown up in a tradition where if people want to make a point, a theological point in our Reformed tradition, they will quote John Calvin before they'll quote Jesus Christ. Jesus as teacher, not something that's been particularly strong in my tradition. I don't know about yours it may be that your experience has been similar. Friends, I find all of this very, very strange because any commitment that we have to Jesus Christ as the Son of God only makes sense if Jesus is the smartest person who ever lived, if he's the only one who really knows the truth about us and the truth about this universe in which we live so readily, we take on our, on our lips, Jesus is Lord. We talk about Jesus is Lord. Does it make any sense that Jesus would be Lord if he wasn't also smart? Does it make any sense that he could be God if he's in any way dumb or uninformed? Folks, when we stop to think about this for even a moment, we realize that Jesus Christ is the smartest person who ever lived. He's the best informed and the most intelligent. Jesus. The biblical vision of Jesus is very different than any vision that that leaves him aside as somebody who is nice and gentle but not all that clever. We're told in God's word that Jesus literally holds everything together. Nowadays, you and I would stand back in amazement when we hear of somebody who who maybe makes microchips or invents the space rocket. We think they're amazing if they take stuff that's already available to them and and create things. Friends, Jesus made the stuff. Jesus made the silicon with the properties that could make microchips. Do you see what I'm saying here? Jesus leaves He leaves Einstein, he leaves Oppenheimer, he leaves anybody else who you rank as as smart. He leaves them bottom of the class. Jesus is the smartest person who ever lives. And it's this Jesus who comes to each one of us and he says, Turn your life around. Whatever way you're living, if it's not in reference to me, you're out of touch with reality and the wisdom of the world. Turn your life around and let me teach you how to live. Friends, it's with that background that we will come and spend a few weeks together looking at the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus begins to teach his disciples. Look at the first two verses of Matthew 5. He saw the crowds... So he went up onto a hillside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. Picture the scene here. These are the guys who have just heard the invitation. Turn your life around and I'm going to teach you how to live. Jesus wants to begin his life coaching. Session number one. But there are too many people around. There's too much noise. There are people there who haven't yet made that commitment. So he steps aside. He moves out of the crowd a little and brings those with him who want to learn from him. And it's important that we grasp that. There's a use of the Sermon on the Mount that makes entirely no sense. And that is when people outside of the church or people outside of a commitment to Jesus Christ quote the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. That actually doesn't make any sense because Jesus is teaching His disciples. He's coaching those who have committed their lives to him. These words will make sense to people who are committed to him. Now, as I've said, we're going to spend a few weeks looking together at these three chapters, chapters five to seven of Matthew's gospel. We're here with only one purpose to listen to Jesus Christ. And to hear what he says about the lives that we can and ought to live. Now, this is for each one of us. If you're a person who's already accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, and many of us here this morning are people who, who count ourselves in, in that category. If you've done that, I would, I would hazard to guess that you as well as I have an awful lot to learn from Jesus about this life that He now calls us to. This this sermon series in, and these, these words of Jesus in Matthew five to seven are going to give us a wonderful opportunity to give some real attention to what Jesus teaches about how we ought to live. I know there are people here this morning who haven't yet responded to Jesus' call, who haven't yet turned their lives around. Well, sometimes I, I think it, it would be a bit strange to do that if you didn't know who Jesus was, if you didn't know what he was all about. So maybe I put it to you like this. Why not take this opportunity to find out about the life that Jesus calls us to? Keep coming. Listen Sunday by Sunday to God's word and our thinking together about it. And see if there's something here, if the call of God on your life doesn't begin to ring true. I know there are people here who who are maybe curious at this stage in their lives. You've maybe started coming to church a little bit. You've been around people who, who claim to follow Jesus and who claim that he's at work in in their lives and you've become intrigued well here's your chance to to learn about it for yourself come listen to what Jesus says and consider Jesus for yourself I'm almost finished but I want to send you home with a question this morning Um, I'll send you home with five questions I hope because you have the bulletin with you and a few questions there to consider about what we've thought about this morning but the big one is this, whether you call yourself a Christian or not, in a sense that doesn't matter with this question, are you willing to consider that Jesus Christ be the biggest influence in your life? Are you willing to consider that he, by his spirit and through, through his people, could teach you all that you need to know? how to live well in this world. As a very final thing, turn with me to the end of this sermon of Jesus. Turn to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24. I thought I'd better point this out to you at the start of our series together rather than at the end. In case at the end you read this and think, Wow, I wish I'd listened better. Listen to what Jesus says at the end of everything that he's going to say in these three chapters. Everything, sorry, everyone who hears these words of mine, that is, these words that I've just said to you in these last three chapters, and who puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. When the rains came down and the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the floods rose, And the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Friends, this morning and throughout this, this series as we look at the Sermon on the Mount together, we're going to fall into two camps. Jesus says there's no middle ground here. If we listen and if we do the things that he calls us to do Jesus says we're wise. If we we don't listen, if we continue to live our lives allowing any influence that blows by to to take control, then says Jesus, we're foolish. Friend, we're wise or we're foolish and we are one or other of those simply as a result of how we respond to the teaching of Jesus Christ. Let's be careful how we read God's word and how we hear. Let us pray.